typical article on how to decrease half lashes, generally written by someone who's decades away from menopause, usually includes helpful suggestions like dress in layers, take deep breaths when you feel the heat coming on, avoid drinking red wine, do more yoga, buy cute little fans to put in strategic places. Are they kidding? Are you offended? You should be. And if you had any doubt that the articles were written by someone in their 20s, the overuse of exclamation points is proof positive. Though dressing in layers and getting a remote control for your thermostat are strategies used by millions, and though it is possible that avoiding hot flash triggers such as red wine and spicy food might help, I don't consider those solutions. I have one patient whose trigger for hot flashes was using her blow dryer. What she's supposed to do, not dry her hair? And that's what this episode is about. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause, midlife, and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they will make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. I get it. Many women are highly motivated to manage their hot flashes without drugs or sketchy herbs and spices. But before investing in a pricey cooling device or signing up for a year's worth of unlimited yoga, it helps to know what works and what doesn't. This is part two of non-hormonal strategies to treat vasomotor symptoms. Part one, episode 84, included non-hormonal prescription options. Part three will include herbal and botanical preparations. This episode is going to include behavioral options, acupuncture, cooling devices. And like in part one, I'm going to tell you my thoughts based on the literature, in addition to the recommendations of the Menopause Society as published in their 2023 position statement. Before I get started, I know I sound like a broken record, but it bears repeating again. For any treatment to be recommended, there are two basic criteria. Is it safe and does it work? In this category, in today's episode, it's the does it work criteria that's problematic. Unlike drugs and herbs, all the interventions I'm going to discuss are safe. Many have lots of health benefits, but there's only one question that I'm answering today. And that question is, will this intervention help decrease the number or severity of hot flashes? Despite enthusiastic testimonials on product websites and in menopause chat rooms, many of these interventions have simply not passed the test of being scientifically validated. And even when studies have been done, they're often not reliable for three reasons. One, the number of women in most studies is too small to be valid, and those women often don't even have a significant number of hot flashes. Two, studies that don't have a control group are generally not scientifically valid. And three, there's that placebo effect of 20 to 50% that's going to cause a reduction in the number of hot flashes, no matter what you give someone. The placebo effect is real, but lasts only about 12 weeks. Therefore, any trial that runs for three months or less, which includes most trials, does not eliminate the very real, but not sustainable placebo effect. Everything I'm going to tell you in this episode is based on the current published medical literature. As more studies emerge, conclusions may change. This is why the Menopause Society updates their recommendations every few years. All right, let's get started. When most women experience their first half flash, the natural approach is to do something to cool off, getting naked, 
putting an ice pack under your pillow, wearing menopause pajamas, attaching a fan to your headboard, sticking your head in the freezer, or investing in a wearable cooling device all go under this heading. The premise is simple. When you have a hot flash, your core body temperature goes up. The blood vessels in your skin dilate, your skin gets warm, and you sweat. Cooling devices pull you down once the flash has occurred to make you feel more comfortable. Hopefully before your own body triggers its internal cooling device, you know, when you get shivers after an intense hot flash. There are no shortage of options when it comes to personal cooling devices. A quick internet search of menopause cooling products generates not only hundreds of portable air conditioners, cooling mattresses, vests, and collars, but also a new wave of pricey personal devices that promise to cool you off 24-7. One popular device is Menopod. This small device, which retails for $139, quickly gets cold so you can discreetly place it on your neck to cool down. You simply whip it out the second you're feeling the heat. And not to worry, I'm sure no one will notice when you frantically rummage through your purse and then clamp a white plastic device on the back of your neck while presenting a pitch to a new client. If you're willing to spend a little more, you may decide to invest in Emberwave, a $300 wristband that claims to be your own personal thermostat. The premise is that it triggers thermal receptors in the body to move heat away from your skin to make you feel cooler and more comfortable. You can also set it to make you feel warmer if you happen to be cold. Their site clearly states that it will not affect or change your core body temperature, only your perception of the temperature. In a very small published study of 39 women lasting only four weeks, it was shown to help women sleep better. I will admit that wearing a bracelet to cool you down is probably more practical than hauling around a fan or ripping off your clothes during a board meeting. And I do love a nice bobble, but personally, I'd rather wear David Yerman on my wrist. And then there are all those cooling sprays being sold on celebrity menopause websites. The cool factor is advertised as a, quote, calming face mist, ideal for hot flashes, end quote. The active ingredient is ectoin, E-C-T-O-I-N-E, with a little Edelweiss thrown in to tighten the skin, which I assume is to help with wrinkles. I'm not going to comment on the wrinkle-reducing aspect. I'll leave that to my dermatologist friends. But... I must have missed the class on Ectoin in medical school, so I looked it up. Ectoin is a bacteria-derived compound used in the treatment of irritation and inflammation, and also to protect skin from extreme heat. So, while it is biologically plausible to say that if you spray Ectoin on your face on a regular basis, it may keep your skin from getting damaged from a hot flash, there's no evidence that the heat from a hot flash damages your skin. But as far as hot flash relief, Ectoin does not cool you down. Water cools you down, which is why the primary ingredient in all of these products is water. Spray a little water on your face and guaranteed it will cool things off. I would love to see a head-to-head blinded trial of spraying cool water on your face, which is free, compared to spraying Ectoin and water on your face, which will set you back $42. I will admit the more you spend the greater the placebo effect. The Menopause Society comment on cooling things off once the hot flash has occurred, quote, hot flashes can be triggered by small core body temperature elevations. Therefore, it is 
feasible that changing lifestyle practices that control core body temperature, such as dressing in layers, wearing sleeveless blouses, using breathable clothing materials, and environmental controls like fans, cold packs under the pillow, turning the pillow when feeling warm, or a bed fan may decrease hot flash frequency. They cite the only trial that had a control group, a small study in which a nighttime thermal comfort intervention was used by half the women, the other half used nothing. Women reported no objective changes in the number or duration of nighttime hot flashes with this device, despite some self-reported improvements in sleep compared with women who did not use the device. Basically, the menopause society states that there are no credible scientific studies that show that dressing in layers or using a cooling device decreases the number or severity of hot flashes. They place all of the cool down interventions on their not recommended list. And I agree because here's the thing, even if these interventions do make you feel more comfortable and they might, it's not the same as eliminating the flash. Once you have the flash, the damage is done. Remember, every time you have a hot flash, your heart rate increases and your blood pressure elevates. The inflammatory response is triggered, which in turn damages blood vessels. If you need any reminder of why hot flashes are not just about feeling miserable, check out my episode two, Think Your Hot Flashes Can't Kill You? Think again to understand the impact that a hot flash will have in the long term on your cardiovascular system. Given that hot flashes are known to lead to this elevation in cortisol levels, heart rate, and inflammation, which in turn translates long-term to potentially serious medical problems, I personally think it's better to eliminate the hot flash rather than make yourself feel better once it's happened. Cooling devices are the band-aid on the cut as opposed to avoiding the cut in the first place. Moving on to lifestyle, exercise, and mind-body interventions. I mentioned earlier that you can avoid triggers that initiate a hot flash. Aside from the obvious negative side of eliminating spicy food and red wine from your life, all that deprivation has not been proven to work when it comes to decreasing hot flashes. There are no credible scientific clinical trials assessing if avoiding triggers will make a difference in the number or severity of flashes other than one study of 4,595 Chinese women in which there was an association between alcohol intake and hot flashes, but that association has not been reproduced or reported in other studies, which is good news since hot flashes last on average seven to 10 years, and it would be really sad to avoid red wine for a decade in hopes of decreasing hot flashes. What about exercise? This is a difficult one. Most studies regarding the impact of exercise on hot flashes have not been well designed and therefore are not definitive. Exercise has shown mixed results for reducing hot flashes in symptomatic menopausal women. It's also no surprise that any activity that increases your core temperature is not going to cool you down. Some studies show exercise helps. Other studies show it makes no difference. Interestingly, one well-done study released in 2021 shows that resistance training can reduce hot flashes and night sweats by roughly 50%. 
the exercise group in this study that stuck to a regimen of three weekly 45-minute sessions with a combination of resistance machines and body weights after four months not only ended up with buff arms, but also decreased their hot flash frequency from an average of 7.5 flashes a night to 4.4 flashes over 24 hours. The non-exercisers had no decrease in flashes. So although pumping iron didn't make the flashes disappear, there was a significant decrease. Now, the Menopause Society puts exercise on the not recommended to treat hot flash list. I put exercise on the, you should be doing it anyway for your heart, your bones, and your sanity, not to mention your buff arms. So be sure to throw some resistance training in there to increase the odds that will also help your hot flashes. I wish I could say the same for yoga. Yoga goes under the heading of being good for so many things, including sleep, but alleviating menopausal flashes is not one of them, especially hot yoga. The good thing about hot yoga is that no one's going to notice you're sweating. The bad news is that between the 105 degree temperature in the room, followed by a series of hot flashes, you may pass out during downward dog. Now, many forms of yoga have been studied, but in randomized trial, none have been shown to lead to a reduction in the frequency or severity of hot flashes. And it doesn't matter if your yoga practice includes breathing, meditation, poses held for a long time, really expensive yoga clothes, or an extra long savasana. And before you write me angry emails that yoga worked for you, I don't doubt it. I'm just reporting what the research shows. Although in complete fairness, wearing fabulous yoga clothes has never adequately been studied. According to the Menopause Society, quote, a systematic review of 12 randomized controlled trials assess yoga compared to no treatment, health education, exercise, and auricular acupressure for the treatment of vasomotor symptoms. There was significant differences in yoga styles, intensity, and frequency. In other words, these were not very good studies. And they concluded that, quote, yoga had limited benefits compared with exercise for the treatment of vasomotor symptoms, and there were no benefits compared with no treatment. Although there are other health benefits associated with exercise or yoga, the evidence of those interventions for the treatment of hot flashes is sparse, which is why the Menopause Society puts yoga on their not recommended list for treating hot flashes. Even more complicated than the yoga data is the weight loss data. There is no question that obesity is associated with more frequent and more severe hot flashes. But the mere presence of hot flashes, along with sleep deprivation, sabotages most weight loss efforts. So although theoretically losing weight will help reduce hot flashes, it's a catch-22 because you need to get rid of the hot flashes to be able to lose the weight to reduce the hot flashes. I know. But having said that, if you are able to lose weight, it will help. One six-month study enrolled obese flashers in an intensive behavioral weight loss intervention. The control group was enrolled in a structured health education program. The weight loss group intervention had a significant improvement in the severity of hot flashes when compared to the control intervention. According to the Menopause Society, evidence suggests that the role of adiposity, fat, and weight loss in vasomotor symptoms may vary depending on age or menopause stage, 
and specifically that adiposity acts as a risk factor for vasomotor symptoms, meaning being overweight increases the likelihood of vasomotor symptoms. This is the interesting part in the perimenopause and early postmenopause, but not when women are older or later in the transition. Weight loss may have greater effects in reducing vasomotor symptoms when women are earlier in the transition. In other words, weight loss works best when it happens during perimenopause and early postmenopause. Good luck. But you may want to listen to episode 19, Menopause and Muffin Top, Why Women Put on Pounds and Tips to Take It Off, which, by the way, is by far my most popular episode. So now for a change of pace, I'm going to tell you about something that has been proven to work, cognitive behavioral therapy. There are several well-designed scientific studies that support cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, for the reduction of hot flashes beyond the placebo effect. CBT and mindfulness training involve learning to recognize and separate thoughts and feelings from physical experiences. They're techniques by which a woman can experience a hot flash but may not have an emotional reaction. It's almost like observing someone else having the hot flash instead of experiencing it yourself. Creating psychological distance through mindfulness reduces the negative components of the experience. In one six-week program of 254 breast cancer survivors who completed a program of internet cognitive behavioral therapy, there was an improvement in hot flashes, night sweats, sleep quality, and overall menopausal symptoms compared to the group that was not enrolled in the program. And these positive results persisted for six months. Overall, CBT is most helpful when it comes to enhancing sleep and reducing the severity of hot flashes. It's not particularly good at reducing the frequency of hot flashes. The Menopause Society agrees, and it wins a coveted spot on their level one recommended list. In the 2023 position statement on non-hormonal options for treatment to vasomotor symptoms, they state, quote, the body of literature as a whole supports that CBT alleviates bothersome vasomotor symptoms for both survivors of breast cancer and menopausal women. This is important because for the critics that say NAMS only recommends hormone therapy, here's proof that that's just not the case. NAMS recommends what works based on science. Now, the evidence is not as strong for mindfulness and meditation as it is for CBT, so NAMS does not include it on the recommended list until there are more studies. There's just not enough data to support it yet. Clinical hypnosis, on the other hand, is up there with cognitive behavioral therapy. Hypnosis is a mind-body therapy in which you enter a deeply relaxed state followed by individualized mental imagery and suggestion. You are in a refrigerator. Now, just to be clear, I'm talking about clinical hypnotherapy as opposed to do-it-yourself hypnosis. There have been two trials that involve five weekly in-person sessions compared to home self-hypnosis. And for the skeptical when it comes to hypnosis, a follow-up analysis showed that the positive effects of hypnosis were not related to women's expectations about whether it would work. And if you don't have a neighborhood hypnotist handy, evidently it also works if delivered via a smartphone application. In any case, both NAMS and I have clinical hypnosis on the recommended list. And while you're at it, when you have the hypnotist give you cooling imagery, maybe you can also have them throw in some weight loss imagery to get more bang for your buck. 
While CBT and hypnosis reduce flashes, don't waste your time with another popular mind-body intervention, paced respirations. When you breathe normally, you take about 12 to 14 breaths a minute. By comparison with paced breathing, you take only five to eight deep diaphragmatic breaths a minute by inhaling through the nose for two to four seconds and then exhaling through the mouth for four to six seconds. The idea is to focus on your breathing instead of the intensity of the hot flash. The advantage of paced respiration is that unlike CBT or hypnosis, this relaxation-based technique is easy to learn and can be self-taught. The downside is that it's never been proven to be helpful in reducing hot flashes. Ditto relaxation techniques. Acupuncture is another difficult category as far as scientific studies. Acupuncture has been around for over 2,000 years and has proved to be a safe and effective treatment for many, many medical conditions. No surprise, acupuncture is often recommended as an effective treatment to alleviate hot flashes. But like a lot of ancient alternative treatments, it's not consistently been shown to be helpful. The studies are all over the map. Now, part of the problem is that there's many techniques and types of acupuncture. Modern acupuncture often includes modifications such as manual manipulation, magnets, heat, ultrasound. Electroacupuncture, one of the newer techniques, utilizes a mild electric current that travels between adjacent needles, resulting in more stimulation than acupuncture using manual techniques. A 2021 analysis looked at 17 scientifically valid studies involving over 1,000 participants that specifically compared acupuncture with non-hormonal prescription drugs that have been shown to reduce hot flashes, such as low-dose antidepressants and gabapentin. Now, everyone just to be in that study had to have a minimum of eight flashes per day. And the studies all utilized placebo acupuncture and placebo drugs. So it was a pretty good study. It turns out that the type of acupuncture may be the key. Only electroacupuncture passed the test of being more effective at reducing flashes than placebo pills or sham acupuncture. And though electroacupuncture doesn't work as well as estrogen, it does appear to work as well as the most commonly prescribed non-hormonal prescription options. Now, NAMS has acupuncture on the do not recommend list since the data is inconsistent. I put it on the who knows list with the caveat that some types are far more promising than other types. And finally, stellate ganglion block. This is one that you may not have heard of since it's not widely offered and is generally only done in large medical centers or as part of a research protocol. But I'm going to mention it because it's interesting and it does work. The stellate ganglion is a bundle of nerves in the cervical spinal column, the part of your spine that runs through the back of your neck. If a long-acting local anesthetic is injected into the stellate ganglion, hot flashes are reduced. As with a lot of other non-hormonal options, it was a serendipitous discovery when women who received a stellate ganglion block for treatment of other conditions noted a dramatic decrease in menopausal hot flashes. Having a needle in the neck sounds terrifying, 
But in truth, it's not a difficult or dangerous procedure in experienced hands. The stellate ganglion block has been used for over 50 years as a safe and effective treatment for pain and other medical conditions. The procedure, it's not painful and takes only a few minutes in the hands of someone who does a lot of them. At my institution, Northwestern Medicine, these procedures are performed by interventional radiologists who've done hundreds of these procedures, and it takes them less time to do it than to get your latte at Starbucks. The good news is that there's up to a 90% decrease in moderate to very severe hot flashes. The biggest downside is that the effects are temporary, lasting approximately six months, so it needs to be repeated on a regular basis. Also, immediately following the procedure, there's a temporary drooping of the right eyelid, redness in the eye, and congestion in the nose. These are expected effects of the numbing medicine and are gone by the next day. And since stellate ganglion block for the treatment of hot flashes is still considered to be experimental, it's rarely offered or covered by insurance. But if you're interested, interventional radiologists are generally the specialists who have the experience and expertise. Wrapping up, even though some of these interventions have been scientifically proven to be helpful, no behavioral or psychological approach has been shown to reduce flashes as much as estrogen therapy. None of these methods are going to eliminate flashes in women whose flashes are really severe. But for the woman who's having mild to moderate flashes and wants to avoid pharmaceuticals, clinical hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy, weight loss, some types of exercise, and stellate ganglion block all appear to reduce severity and frequency of hot flashes. The hot flash jury is still out on acupuncture. And while there are other health benefits, academic menopause experts are in agreement that yoga, mindfulness, and relaxation will not turn down the heat beyond the placebo effect. And I think you know where I stand when it comes to cooling devices, sprays, and menopause pajamas. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. See the light.